This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Drilled to center field and deep. Back out of his seat. To the track. To the wall. It's gone! Kevin Longoria with a two-run home run to straightaway center, and he gives the Rays a 6-4 lead here in the ninth. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. The 2-2 now. Check swing on the slider. Strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host. Neil Solons. Good afternoon. Welcome to our show, our first Saturday program of the season. We hope to provide a diversion with Hurricane Irma closing in. Today, you're going to hear from Austin Pruitt on how Hurricane Harvey has impacted him. We'll visit with Alex Colomay and hitting the 40 save mark, tell you about a community event the Rays are holding, and hear from several Rays minor league managers. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Coming up, Rays pitcher Austin Pruitt on his rookie year and his hometown of Houston. After this, on the Rays Baseball Network. Well, we continue on this week in Rays Baseball, and our feature guest this week is Austin Pruitt. Austin, uh, coming off what was a very good appearance on the road for you under what I thought was fairly trying circumstances, coming off what was going on in Houston, knowing how long you've lived there and what that area has meant. Um, was it an emotional couple days for you before that start against Kansas City? Um, yeah, it was a little bit. Uh, it was... You know, I, I was pretty, those couple of days, I was pretty glued to the news. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure my family was all right. But yeah, I'd come back in my hotel room and I'd turn on the news and I'd just glue to it and watch it until I fell asleep or, you know, after breakfast or something like that. And yeah, it's, it was tough to, to see all the, the areas that you kind of recognize um, all underwater. And it was, it was just kind of tough to see. And, uh, um, but yeah, no, I, I wanted to, to pitch and kind of dedicate that you know an outing whether it be good or bad you know obviously hoping it would be good um to the city of houston um you know it, it kind of motivated me a little bit to kind of possibly do a better job and you obviously did that night and you're not one who lives on twitter either and this you you tweeted out the day you started too which is also rare for you so i think that kind of indicated how how important this all was to you yeah no i i don't normally get on twitter but it was just yeah i was just on my mind and you know I, Twitter I mean you can't you don't really I don't know how, how much of an impact you know me tweeting is gonna gonna do but I'm hoping you know maybe someone sees it and I, I, I don't maybe some some good can come out of it or something so is it still in your mind a lot now um, not that start but just the city and what they're going through um, yeah, absolutely uh, even though the rain is you know it was all done uh, there are Houston, you know, Houston's still underwater, um, and it just it it just stinks, you know. Like, it's water; it, it's going to go down at some point, and whenever it does, it's still going to be, you know, it's it, the city itself is going to be kind of a mess just because of 
you know, all the debris and everything. So I'm, I'm just hoping, you know, it can it can rebuild as good as as it, as it is as it was, and you know, I, I think that will that Houston will be able to do that. And having lived there as long as you did, I mean, you grew up there, right, all the way through childhood, all the way you went to college in Houston. Um, what did that city mean to your growth and your upcoming, and, and how did it get, let's say you started in the game of baseball to begin with? Um, city of Houston, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, you know, I've been there, yeah, I've been there basically my whole life. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it means, you know, it's the place that I grew up in, you know. Uh, you know, I may not be there a whole lot, but I'm always, I'm always trying to, you know, represent for my city. And you got to pitch there this year, and we know that was, I would say your best two performances were the one that we just touched on and the one in Houston. Would that be fair? Yeah, I, I think so. It was, yeah, the one in Houston, it, that one meant a lot, just considering how, how much family and friends were there. You know, I wanted to do a good job for them. And you did. Um, was that the most excited you were about? I mean, you're not someone who shows emotion a lot on the mound. Was that as excited as you were for an appearance? Yeah, it absolutely was. Um, you know, I, I had a bunch of text messages and phone calls, you know, kind of leading up to that day. But, yeah, no, I just, you know, I had just trying to play it cool the whole time. But, yeah, no, I was – I was that one was easily the most amped up I've been for a start. What has this year been like for you? Because you go from, I think, a surprise to make the opening day roster to – being a, a reliever to going back down and then starting, how would you describe this roller coaster of a year? I mean, you, you said it, man. It's it's been a roller coaster. Yeah, it was. You know, yeah, making the opening day roster was. You know, I'm not going to say that, that that wasn't my goal. You know, but I just didn't obviously think it was going to happen. Uh, and then it did, but it was just. I mean, it was it was crazy. It was a culture shock, kind of. It was. You know, everything is just a little, you know, is bigger. Everything that you do is a little, is under my microscope a little bit more. And, uh, yeah, I definitely had my, my downs. I was down for a while. You know, I had my ups, and, you know, in that stretch as well. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a really crazy season. And, yeah, it's, it's been a roller coaster the entire time. Who are the players who have been most helpful for you in, in getting acclimated? And I think the most important thing, because I, I think you're probably at this point now, is feeling you belong at the big league level right yeah no and that that is a huge feeling to have and if, if you don't feel that way you you know you're not the, the confidence level isn't going to be there and you you'll get hit around a little bit yeah no it's um and it's honestly it's kind of taken me a while to feel that but uh for the most part whenever i was in the bullpen and still now you know a you know veteran tommy hunter he's he's kind of helped me out a lot and um you know whenever i was a starter i spent more a little more times with the starters um, you know, Cobb and, and Archer, you know, they, it's all, man, they, they've just, it's, it's just gotten support from, from all those guys to help me feel like I do belong. When you were a kid growing up in Houston, who were the guys that you watched playing and what were your dreams? Were your, is this everything you had hoped for when you were thinking about, hey, maybe someday? Yeah, you, yeah, you got to, went to Astros games when I was little and my, my favorite players, obviously, you know, they were, they were advertised a lot, but it was the Killer Bees. It was Berkman, Bagwell, and Biggio, and uh, and Roy Oswalt was there, and I always liked watching him him throw because he wasn't very big, but he threw hard, you know, and he had that big curveball. And uh, but yeah, seeing those guys, they, they were a lot of fun. Is 
yeah, I was hoping one day that I could pitch on that field or be on that field and kind of do the same thing he does. Were you a guy who was always in the upper deck? Were you ever down low and got autographs, or what are your best memories? Uh, I never got I never got autographs. I never got there early enough to do so. But, um, man, I, mean, I think I think there was one, maybe two games that I got to sit on the field level. But, I mean, other than that, you know, some randoms, you know, random part in the, in the ballpark. So you've never gotten to meet Roy Oswalt, your, uh, the pitcher you grew up watching, who probably, I mean, similar size physically? Yeah, yeah. No, he's, I don't think he's a very big guy, but no, I never got to, I never met him. I got to meet uh, Berkman one time. He, uh, I think he, what he was doing, I think, like a fellowship Christian athlete or like a young life type thing, like for church. And, um, and I think I attended and I was there in the audience as he it's been a crazy year for you. You got engaged too, right? When when did that happen, and and how far away are you from uh, uh, getting married? Um, got engaged this past off season in October, and I will be getting married this off season in November. So after the World Series, to make sure the anniversary never will coincide with yeah, one of those. Exactly. Yeah, we kind of we thought far ahead, you know, like man, if this were to happen, if we were to make it to the World Series, you know, season would be over by this time, and you know, then we can get married but um, yeah wait for the season to be over so we can pull the trigger how challenging has that been planning a wedding while a year is going on and your first year in the big leagues all in one I mean it's great but it's also there's a lot going on yeah man it's, it's hectic I'll be honest um, <laughs> I've done I haven't me personally I haven't done a whole lot my fiance has done she's done an amazing job she's she's done most of the planning just about all the planning I like those small little bits that you don't have any clue until you actually kind of go through it um you know if she ever asks me you know my opinion on something I'll, I'll give it to her but other than that you know she's kind of done most of it the list is the most important thing once you get through that you're over the hump right yeah exactly yeah the uh <laughs> the guest list man yeah um yeah i got that all taken care of that's about it is there anything that you made sure that you definitely wanted at the wedding in terms of reception or anything? Or you seem like a pretty chill, laid-back guy. Yeah, I was going to say, she, I, whatever, honestly, kind of whatever she wanted, I would, was, was fine with me. Um, yeah, I just basically, you know, it kind of whatever to do to make her happy, basically. Um, you know, if she asked my opinion, I'd give it to her, but other than that, yeah, that's about it. How do you see yourself going forward? Because you've been a reliever, a starter. What do you hope for? If I'm to sit down with you, let's say three, five years from now, what are, what do you hope people are saying about Austin Pruitt and why? Um, hoping people say, "Hey, that dude's a pretty good pitcher." Uh, I mean, I played this. It's been a, been a great game. You know, I, I've played this game ever since I was little, and the only thing that I've wanted is uh, is just to be a good pitcher and to be you know to kind of belong of where I'm at you know I don't want to kind of hang by a thread like I want to me personally I kind of want to thrive I want to thrive in this game and and just do a good job in terms of what you do when you're not playing baseball because obviously you've you've really had to grind to get here what do you do to relax what do you do to to not 24-7 focus on the game um I mean as far as off days go I, I enjoy golfing um in the last few off days i've gone out there with cobb we actually had a, a pretty a nice off day in chicago super windy but it was me and c shack cobber souza and uh matt andrees and 
it was man, it was an awesome time. It was a long round, but yeah, it was super windy. But yeah, as far as off day goes, you know, I, I, I like to golf. What's your golf game like, and who's got the best? What, what do you have on the other guys in the rotation or among the other pitchers? Um, I'd say I'm I'm pretty up there as far as you know score wise. Um, but I mean, we we got some pretty good golfers on the team. So you your drive strong, your your short game. What's what your mid range? What, uh, where? I'd say with with you know just to kind of go through my game, I'm uh, driving the ball. You know, I'm not gonna blast it down there, but for the most part, I'm gonna be in the good stuff. I'm gonna be in the fairway. Um, irons, irons, not too bad. If anything, if I was gonna work on something, I need to work around the greens for sure. And uh, putting, you know, depends on the day. Again, we're talking with Austin Pruitt on this week in race baseball. How about otherwise? I mean, are there certain things you use? Music-wise, etc., things that you like enjoy doing to relax, or when you're not doing golf, or or things you like to listen to just to kind of get your mind away from the game. Yeah, I I basically I kind of wake up and I start listening to music. Um, I thought about music, it yeah, it it, it kind of relaxes your mind and kind of takes you away from everything and just helps you you know just kind of relax. So your walk-up song, how did you? For our fans who don't know, how did you pick it? And and for fans who may not know, what is it? Um, this go around, it, I've had two walk-up songs. I started the uh, the year off with some Nirvana. Um, there, this off season, I, I went through a phase where I just listened to basically just '90s alternative, and uh, you know, so I really like Nirvana. And then I kind of wanted to go with a little calmer song, and I went with kind of like a funky mix. It was <laughs> it was called uh, "Spotty Adi Dopalicious" by Outkast. And you know, I didn't do very well that start, so I may uh, I may change that one. And in terms of, so I I didn't see you as a grunge guy or a '90s uh, alternative guy. Has that always been your thing, or? Um, kinda. I kind of grew up with that. I got two older brothers that that listened to that listened to that stuff. So I mean, I I kind of I kind of you know, as a the youngest brother, I kind of liked whatever they did, and um, they they liked the the grunge. You know, Nirvana. Uh, they liked Nirvana, so you know I kind of listened to them when I was a little bit growing up. But more so, I've kind of got into '90s now that I'm a little bit older. Well, I guess a old school mentality, and that's kind of the way you've been on the mound too. So hopefully, continued success in that realm, and appreciate some time on this week in race baseball. All right, I appreciate you having me. That's Austin Pruitt joining us. We continue right after this on the Race Baseball Network. Welcome back to this week in race baseball. I'm Neil Solons. This week, Alex Colomay was named Reliever of the Month for August in the American League. At the time we spoke, Colomay already had accumulated 41 saves this season. With the help of Manny Navarro from Rays Communications, I asked Alex about what being the league's Reliever of the Month meant to him. Lo que me siento muy bien y contento que uno vive así tratando de hacer lo mejor número que uno pueda. A veces uno no está esperando cosas, pero para eso uno está trabajando. Feel, uh, I feel good and I feel excited um, that I had the opportunity to be able to close out those games and that, that it's, it's, I try to do my best every single time. To hit 41 saves already, that's an elite. Very few guys for the race have done that. What does that mean? 41 juegos. ¿Cómo se siente? Eso me hace sentir orgulloso de mí mismo, de mi trabajo, porque cuando empezó la temporada yo pensé salvar quizá la misma del año pasado hace buen trabajo, pero nunca pensé que iba a tener la oportunidad de poder salvar más de 40 juegos. 
Okay. Um, at the beginning of the season, I wanted to at least match the same amount that I matched last year. I'm glad that this year I've had the opportunity to save more than that. You're closing in on the record. Fernando Rodney had 48. What would that mean? ¿Cómo se sentía cerrar más de 48 que ese récord de Fernando Rodney? Se siente muy bien porque no todo el mundo tiene la oportunidad de, de salvar más de 40 juegos. It feels good because not everyone has a chance to save that many games. Did he help you? Do you remember him when he was here and did he help you at all when you were coming up? ¿Te acuerdas de él y, y si te ayudó cuando estabas en las ligas menores o cuando estabas? Sí, sí, Fernando Roni ha sido una de las personas que me ha ayudado hasta donde yo estoy ahora. Todavía el momento que siempre hablamos, siempre habla conmigo y él es una de las personas clave que me ha ayudado y es un ejemplo a yo seguirlo. He's one of the guys that's really helped me grow and learn as a, as a player here. Um, we still communicate, um, and he really inspires me to be the pitcher that I am. How? Mentally, y con los pitchers también. Mentally, he helps me. Pitching, he helps me. El mantenerme agresivo en la loma cuando a veces no estoy muy bien. Él habla conmigo y trata de ayudarme lo más que él pueda. He gives me, uh, he motivates me when, you know, when I'm not doing well, he motivates me to do well and just keep your head up and keep on moving on. And I guess if you set the record, it also means this team is that much closer to the playoffs, too. Yeah, si salvas más de 48, es que estamos más cerca de ser los playoffs. Si yo no estoy por pasarle a él, yo quiero salvar más, pero si está del destino y de Dios que vayamos a los playoffs, yo seguiré dando lo mejor de mí, pero... Lo mío no es una competencia con él porque él siempre va a ser eh, parte de, de mi carrera. Uh, my goal isn't to beat his record. Uh, my goal is to just win as many, close as many games as we can. And if it's destined to make the playoffs, then we, we're going to make the playoffs. That's Alex Colomay, now with 42 saves on the season, tops in the majors. Alex has been successful on the field. Off the field, Evan Longoria this week was named the Rays' Roberto Clemente Award nominee. He's been working with his wife, Jamie, on a drive to benefit the Pet Pal Animal Shelter. Yes, this, this uh, event definitely has gotten bigger each year, which is obviously our goal. The bigger it gets, the more money we raise for Pet Pal Animal Shelter, uh, which makes us very happy. So um, we're going to be doing a silent auction and an online auction to benefit the shelter um, starting next week. So this is a week-long online auction, correct? And then people also can bid on the 17th at the silent auction portion of it? Yes. So Evan has been collecting memorabilia from elite players from around the league all season long. So we've got, I mean, you Darvish, Manny Machado, you know, I mean, uh, Aaron Judge. I mean, just like anyone that you think of, you know, all-star caliber players. Evan has um, done a really great job of collecting a bunch of um, items from them. And they're going to be online starting uh, November, September 11th all the way through September 17th. And then on the um, actual day of the event, on the 17th, we are also going to do a separate auction that's only for people coming to the game, which will also be of just race players. So that way, you know, because we want the fans, the race fans who take the time to come to the games, have an opportunity to buy something, you know, from one of their favorite players. So um, I think that's something that so that's something we're doing different this year. We've, we've now added that, you know, exclusive game day only opportunity to, to bid on one of your favorite local 
players as well. And if people can't get to the game, this also gives them the opportunity all week to benefit a great cause too. Exactly. So if, if you, you're a Rays fan, but you don't live local and you can't come, you can still try to get some, some great items online as well. Now, if people are coming on the 17th, obviously you want them to be part of the silent auction, but you also want them to bring items too? Yes, like normal? Yes, absolutely. So we're, we're also doing our normal um, pet food drive that we do twice a year, which kind of comes along with the dog day at the park event. So it's a great uh, matchup. So people can bring donations, you know, dog food, cat food, um, toys, blankets, crates, you know, anything that the shelter, you know, even, I mean, gift cards, Publix, PetSmart, anything like that, you know, uh, CVS, because, you know, they always need things like cleaning supplies and, and all of that really to uh, help the shelter out. So they'll be collecting at gates one and six and also at the TBT party deck upstairs starting um, at 11 a.m. until 1.30 p.m. So there's another piece to this whole drive itself is that if you want to encourage people to donate by doing that, you're offering them the chance to get some tickets. Absolutely. So if you bring any type of donation, whether it's, you know, supplies, and if you don't have a chance to get out and get supplies, we, we will take monetary donations, of course. And uh, something that we're adding to uh, entice people is they will receive uh, two tickets to the lower corner voucher for the Baltimore series, which is the last uh, series of the of the season. For fans who don't know, give us an idea why for you and Evan this has been such an important cause. Oh, Evan and I, we, I mean, I don't see how someone can't love an animal, but, you know, we really love animals. You know, our, our dogs are also, uh, also rescue pets. And, you know, we've now, um, we've now, since we talked the talk, we've walked the walk. We actually have rescued um, Lucy from Pet Pal back in uh, spring training. So, you know, we feel extra passionate about that shelter in particular, but, you know, we, we want to help as many animals as we can. They they can't help themselves. So we, we kind of just gear our passion towards them. That's Jamie Longoria. Again, the game to attend is September 17th, and the silent auction begins this week. Coming up on This Week in Rays Baseball, more on the Rays minor league system after this on the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. The Rays had four affiliates make the postseason. Durham, Montgomery, Bowling Green, and Hudson Valley. And over the past couple of weeks, we heard from two of them. All four full-season Rays affiliates had winning campaigns, including Charlotte, which was eliminated from playoff contention on the next-to-last day of the regular season. Their manager is Michael Johns. Michael, thanks very much for joining us. Hey, Neil. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Tell me what, how you would describe this year. I know, like, uh, we've talked to Jared Sandberg in, in AAA and, and Brady Williams in AA, and, and they had a lot of turnover, and I know you had a lot as well. Yeah, a lot of turnover, and that's to be expected, obviously, in the minor leagues. But I think I've had to sum the season up. I think I, the one word I keep using is proud. Start off the season 0-7, and I think people probably forget that. We lost most of our offense that was leading the league in pretty much every offensive category. Uh, we lose our best our best hitters, and, you know, that's just part of what we do. We try to keep guys moving. We're moving to Montgomery, to Durham, and hopefully to Tropicana Field. It's just the nature of what we do. We're trying to get guys at a big league. But within all that, we've somehow found a way to really play well in the second half, even with all the turnover, and we find ourselves right in the middle of the mix here. You know, let's start with some guys you, you lost. Uh, Brandon Lau was named the Florida State League Player of the Year. That hasn't happened with Charlotte Stonecrab until this season. What made him so special? Yeah, I don't know that if I've seen a player have the kind of offensive year that Brandon Lyle had. He did just about everything. Uh, he hit for power. He hit for average. 
Uh, he led the league in about seven categories. The, the player of the year was certainly honored. And, you know, I think the biggest thing that we knew going into the season, and he was a bat-to-ball guy, and he had a lot of walks, not many strikeouts. And guys generally with that type of, of background or repertoire, they're usually going to be able to hit. He's gained some strength. Uh, he's lowered his hands a little bit to drive the ball, and he did just about everything he can do as a hitter, and his defense really came a long way. I think that's probably the question mark on Brandon Lau is the defense, and I think really he's improved as a defender as much as anybody I've seen. I think he's, he's shown the ability to hopefully he can stick at second base. The, the first step quickness has gotten better. Uh, his hands have gotten better. His arm strength's gotten better. He's played in a lot of shifts where he's had to really be quick. So that, you know, for us is really encouraging. And I'm guessing you think as he moves up, the bat is going to continue to, to translate. Yeah, you know, it's like the old adage of if a guy can hit, we'll find a place for him. Well, he can certainly hit. And he's not just a power guy, not just an average guy. He's got a little bit of both. He uses the whole field. He hits velocity. He hits left-handers. And he just has a real knack for hitting. You mentioned bat-to-ball skills. Brett Sullivan certainly qualifies. I know he's relatively new to catching, but offensively, he also, as a backstop, put up really good numbers and made the all-league team. Yeah, he can really hit. And, you know, bat-to-ball, another guy that doesn't strike out a lot. I believe at one point he was he was the one hitter that every manager told me that they that, that didn't want up in the ninth inning. Hmm. He has a knack for driving in runs, really. And he's done it his whole career where he just has a knack for getting guys in. It doesn't matter if it's two outs. doesn't matter if it's a runner on third, less than two outs. He has that ability to put the ball in play and hit it where they're not. And he also, I think this year what impressed me the most is he used the whole field. I think coming into the season, he was pretty much a pool hitter, and now he's, he's learned to use the whole field. He's a really handy hitter when he needs to be. He's got some strength to the swing, and he's a guy that just hits. You don't really touch him. You let him do his thing, and, and the catching has really come a long way. This is a guy that's only a second-year catching uh, full-time, and it's been pretty impressive what he's done. I think the biggest thing for us is he, they gotta want they got to want to do it. We can want it for him. He understands the left-handed hitting catcher is a really quick way to the big league, and he's really bought into it. He loves it. He loves catching, and he doesn't doesn't take his offense to his defense or his defense to his offense. He's able to separate the two, and that's, that's something that's pretty hard to do. You know, we've touched on two guys who made all league honors. The third is Ryan Bolt. He's been with you all season. How special has this season been? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about guys that have skipped low A coming from Hudson Valley and just kind of seasons they've had. You know, Mike, Matuk, and Schaefer really kind of stand out. And those guys had really good years in this league, but I don't know if any of them had the year that Ryan Bolt's having. Uh, the guy can really hit. He's an above-average runner, above-average above defender. We've asked him to play left, center, or right, and he's done really well with all of them. He's done a He's going to lead our team in stolen bases. Uh, he's a little banged up right now just with the season ending. Um, he's got a little bit of a hammy, but it's nothing serious. Uh, but overall, his year has just been very impressive. And he's another guy that uses the whole field and hits left-handers. You know, these, these lefties, they, they had better averages against left-handed pitching than they did right-handed pitching, which a lot of guys don't realize. And he's got ability to, to really play baseball. He understands baseball. He's very receptive to anything we have for him. And he's, he's a, what I would say, probably a natural hitter, just a natural swing. And he's going to have some lift in it where he's going to hit for some more power. So I think we have a really good one at Ryan Bolt. Nice to hear that about all, all your, your all-league players. All three of them have a lot of potential. And there were a couple other kids that you've had. One, Kevin Padlow. I know he's going to the fall league because he had a handmade injury, missed most of the year. I know a lot of guys spoke very highly of him going into the season. Yeah, the one thing that stands out with Pat, though, is he's got big tools. He's got really good hands. He's got a really good arm. He's a good defender. 
He's got plus bat speed and plus power. Now, his numbers probably won't show that right now, but like you said, he did get injured right when he was heating up. I think he had two home runs the night before he got injured, and it seems like he hasn't been able to really get back in sync since he came back, which is a hard thing to do when you miss that much time. Your timing's off. you got to get back in the swing of things, and he's slowly but surely doing that, and I think the fall is going to be really good for him. For him to see a lot of good pitching, really the best players in the world are going to be out there at the minor league level. So it'll be good to see him get out there and get a lot more at bat. Lucius Fox played in the Futures game, and then not long after that, he then joined the Charlotte Stone Crabs. What did you like about Lucius's long-term potential? Well, I think what stuck out to me is that he was not intimidated by this league. A lot of guys come here and, and they're thinking, okay, it's high A, and, and he's a young, a young kid. I believe he's 19 years old. Um, he's only played you know, one full season of professional baseball. That was last year in low A, and he was very young for that, for that league. Uh, he had a really good, a really good year in Bowling Green, and when he came here, he just, he really just kind of, he, he kind of took on the league as a challenge. And I think that he's shown the ability to play shortstop. He's got a lot of quick twitch at shortstop, a lot of things you can't teach, and he's got above average bat speed, and then he's got foot speed. So everything that you look for in a big league shortstop, he's got it. He's a really good kid. He likes, he likes playing baseball. He enjoys this. He, he knows what it's about, and he's done everything that. I think we've asked him to do this year, and he's done it well. Let's touch on a couple guys in your pitching staff. And again, we're chatting with Michael John, Charlotte Stonecrabs manager. Spencer Jones and Dalton Motes are two guys who have pitched in relief. They are both headed to the Arizona Fall League. What did you like about each? I know they didn't spend the whole year with you. Yeah, you know, they came here and really solidified our bullpen. You know, Spencer Jones is a tall right-hander that gets some good angle on the ball. He can sink it. He's got a really good slider slash curveball. It's kind of a hybrid right now. But he's got a really good feel for pitching. Uh, we put him in some really tough situations, some high leverage situations right out of the gate, and he succeeded in all those. He's having, by the numbers, by the stuff, a, a really, really good year, and he's put himself on the map. Um, and then you mentioned uh, Dalton Moat. Same thing for him. And we kind of threw him in the closer role right out of the gate, threw him in the fire, and he's taken off with it. Um, Dalton Moat is, is the kind of has the kind of makeup that can finish the game. He enjoys those. Uh, situations, high leverage situations, situations where there's second, third, two outs, and he's got to get a left-hander out. He, he can do that. He's been able to, to pitch in the right-handed hitters. His velo keeps climbing, and he's got an invisible slider. He, he, he's, he's a really fun one to watch. And then there was one other pitcher I wanted to touch on, Travis Ott. Um, he was in that huge trade involving Will Myers. He, I think he spent two seasons in Hudson Valley, and now he's moved from low A to high, and he's had a good year all the way around. Yeah, he's interesting. You know, he came here in the starter role. He struggled a little bit. We put him in the bullpen to see what he would do to come in and get left-handers out. And I believe left-handers in this league are hitting under 100 against him. He's really taken off. Um, he's he's shown the ability to to have a, you know a, a really good aptitude. I think Doc and Dewey, those guys, have done a great job with him teaching him what his strengths are, what his weaknesses are, how he's going to get himself ready to come in out of the bullpen, which is a role that he's not really accustomed to, but he's taken to and he's been outstanding. Good stuff, Michael. We appreciate a few minutes. Congrats on a good year, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, Neil. Thanks a lot. That is Charlotte manager Michael Johns. Now, we mentioned Bowling Green made the postseason, doing so for the second straight year. Their manager is Ronaldo Ruiz, who now joins us. Ronaldo, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Neil. What did it mean with this group, especially as young a team as you had, to make the postseason again? Oh, it's, it means a lot. I mean, it's huge that uh, not not only because we made the playoff, it's the development standpoint, it was it was a really uh, a good year for us. 
you had a lot of young kids who grew over the course of the year. Nobody put up better numbers than Jesus Sanchez, and we had heard a lot about him before the season. Where did he get better during the season? Well, um, defensively, he got much better, and offensively, he was he was swinging the ball really well since uh, we started the season, man. And he ended up being a, 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 a leader um, in RBIs and batting average. So it's, it's, it's unbelievable the way this kid uh, played this year. He's only 19 years old, and he played right field and left field. He was It was fun to watch him play. Was he the best outfielder you saw in this league? Because I know there were a lot of talented kids in this group. I mean, uh, Vladdy Guerrero was in there. Uh, the, the young Vladdy Guerrero was in the league for a while. Yeah, well, this year I saw a lot of good young players, and uh, one of them is uh, – uh, Jose Siri, too, from uh, mm-hmm. Dayton, Cincinnati. Uh, but Sanchez, yeah, I think Sanchez was one of the best uh, outfielders uh, in this league, and especially because he's only 19 years old, and, and, and the numbers that he put is it, it, um, unbelievable. He dominated the league at, at 19 years old. It's, 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 uh, it's really it showed, you know, the kind of prospect we have. You have some other good outfield prospects. I want to get to those in a moment. But you also, in addition to Jesus, had two postseason All-Stars, Jesus and Robbie Tenerowitz, who played a lot of spots for you. How good was he and how important was he to your team? Well, he was uh, he was one of the leaders of the team. He's a little older, but um, he was one of the leaders for the young players and, and not only uh, on the field, off the field, too. So, yeah, it was huge to have him. He, uh, he played uh, uh, multiple positions in the infield. Also, uh, his bat in the middle of the, in the lineup, it, it was huge. Now, we mentioned that you have some very talented young outfielders. One of them just moved this year to the outfield in Josh Lowe, and it seemed like he got much better, at least numbers-wise, as the year got, went on. Where do you think he, he showed improvement? Well, he uh, offensively, I think he made the biggest stride. Um, you know, um, he didn't start that well offensively but uh um you know in the second half it did much better not only offensively defensively too for uh being the first time playing center field is he he made huge strides and again he's only 19 years old and i think the attitude that, that he was uh, even though when he was not swinging the bat well he was he was you know he he was uh, having a good attitude and he went after i mean he he worked hard and played hard and the result is that he got he finished with good numbers and and, and he improved in every area of the uh, defensively. So it, it, it was fun to, to have him on board. And he's one of two first-round picks you had in the outfield, two former first-rounders. The year before was Garrett Whitley, and it looks like he really started to show some power in the second half. Yeah, definitely. He improved a lot, too. I mean, he uh, he ended up with 13 home runs, 60 RBIs. He played 103 games. That was the key. You know, he, uh, he had 360 uh, bats. And, uh, um, yeah, he, he got much better uh, offensively and defensively. He improved in every area of his game. He also had some uh, stolen bases. He stole 20 bases. Yeah, he, he improved a lot, definitely. He did a really good job for us. And, again, he's only 20 years old. And you've got, again, a number of other young players who are talented, too. I want to touch on the infield. Adrian Rondon is a kid who I know the Rays have high hopes for. And while he was up and down, it seemed like he did make some strides. Yeah, he makes some strides. Uh, defensively, he definitely makes some strides. Offensively, ups and downs. You know, he's he just turned 19 years old. He, you know, probably at the beginning he was overmatched a little bit, but then in the second half he did better. But again, you know, uh, when when I mean he was playing, he started the league when he was uh, 18 years old. So it, it, it was not easy for him to go through a, a full season for the first time and being the youngest uh, uh, 
player in the league. It was not easy, but he improved. He improved defensively and offensively. Again, he uh, he made some strides. He hit nine home runs for a eight, 19 years old, 47 RBI. It's not bad for for a first time uh, full season at uh, at age of 19. No doubt. And the race also acquired a player in a trade near the end of the season. This was uh, the trade they made involving Ryan Garten at the who was obviously at the AAA level and Mike Marjima, Luis Renjifo, who plays a lot of spots came to you. He had been in the Midwest League. What did you like about him when you saw him, and do you like him even more now that you have him? Well, I like him more than I have, than I have him now. He helped us a lot, especially uh, since we got him. He, I mean, he has a lot of energy. He's, he can play shortstop. I mean, he got a good arm. He he made some plays that uh, um, not a regular shortstop can, can make, and, and, and it, it was fun to, to watch him play. He, he put up a lot of energy, helped our team with uh, uh, um, not only uh, defensively, offensively too, he can he can put the ball in play and use his speed. He has he has some uh, uh, plus speed and he stole uh, 34 bases, you know, and, and it, it was fun to to have him. And, and and when we got him, he started producing and helping this team. One other player I wanted to mention on the offensive side, or at least from a position player standpoint, is Rene Pinto. He was very valuable to you in the first half. I know he was banged up in the second half, but he did rejoin you near the end, right? Yeah, uh, he started. I mean, he was he was swinging the bat well at the beginning. Uh, he was uh, making some strides uh, defensively. Then he got hurt, but then he came back for the second half, and he got he seems he was back. He started swinging the bat much better, and also defensively, he did a really good job. Yeah, it was. It was a part of our key to uh, make the playoff. That Pinto, um, when he came back, uh, he put up really good numbers and offensively and defensively. Again, we're we're chatting with Ronaldo Ruiz, manager of the Bowling Green Hot Rods, in the play, playoffs for the second straight year. Let's touch on some of the pitchers. Adrian Navis was with you all year, and it looks like he was probably one of your more consistent starters. Uh, Navas, yeah, definitely. He, even though you know his first half wasn't that good, and the second half he was, he he took off. I mean, he he ended up winning 12 games, and uh, and, and he did a really good job. He was uh, on the second half. He was steady. He was the key of our success in the second half, and he did much better in the second half. And you also have a young kid named Willie Ortiz who wasn't with you at the beginning of the year, but when he did. It seemed like after, let's say, a month or so, he really took off. He had a long stretch where he didn't allow a run or was allowing no or one runs every start. Yeah, he did a really good job since we got him. He, he didn't start the season for us, but uh, when we got him at the end of the first half and he started pitching and, and he earned his spot in the, in, the, in the starting rotation and he ended up winning eight, eight games and three losses with the three ERA, he was good. I mean, he, he was throwing 97, 98, 99. So, yeah, he's, he's a healthy, healthy arm, and he helped us big time this year. And he's not the only kid with a big arm. You have another kid, uh, what, Raymond Romero, who's also got a big arm, who pitched out of your pen? Yeah, he did a really good job, too. I mean, even though he's uh, only 20 years old, he was throwing 98, 97, you know, and coming out of the bullpen. And when you face uh, a guy throwing 98, you know, uh, he did a really good job. Even though he's keep uh, trying to uh, work on his uh, uh, command, uh, every time he was on around the zone, he, he was top and hard to hit. Ronaldo, is it me, or are there more kids now at the lower levels throwing harder? Are you seeing more high-end velocity? Because it seems like the Rays have more of it throughout the system than they ever have. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, we having more uh, uh, big arms uh, uh, this year. And I've seen him not only for, for uh, in our organization, I've seen him in, in, in 
other organizations too. So yeah, uh, whatever uh, we've been doing, uh, we is working really well, especially because the guys are increasing their uh, velocity and, uh, and arm speed and all the stuff. So yeah, definitely it's more uh, big arm this year. Congratulations on a really good year and making the playoffs once again and all the development of the kids that you've been working with. And uh, we'll talk with you soon. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Neil. That's Ronaldo Ruiz of Bowling Green. The last race affiliate to qualify was short season Hudson Valley. They did it with Craig Albernaz succeeding as a first-year manager. Albie, thanks for being with us, and congrats. No, thanks, Neil. Thanks. Anything for you, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> what did it mean, first of all, to get the chance to manage, because it, it kind of came as a surprise, if you could tell our, our race fans a little bit about how it came about. Uh, yeah, it was kind of a, a whirlwind season and year. Um, you know, the Satya was up with our AAA affiliate in Durham, uh, coaching third, working uh, with the catchers. And then once, uh, as the season progressed, Maybe a week before extended finished, was about to finish, uh, Tim Parrington uh, was offered the North, uh, head coach of University of North Florida, and he ended up taking the job. Uh, the next day, Mitch Lukovich, the farm director, and Jeff McLaren uh, reached out to me and offered me the job. Uh, they, had, they gave me 24 hours to think about it, and you know, the 24 hours came, and I told them I would love to take the job. And obviously things have turned out pretty well. What's been the biggest adjustment managing for the first time? Uh, the biggest adjustment for the first time was actually before the games even started. It was being in Durham, finishing out my time there, and then while, while the guys were in extended for the last week, just trying to coordinate the workouts and you know how the pitching was going to go the first couple of days and not knowing my team. So just kind of emailing the whole staff and then just showing up to Hudson Valley without even seeing the guys yet and kind of just walking into the room and be like, hey, guys, if you do manage it. So um, that was pretty much the, the, the biggest adjustment. As far, like Once those four days were done with the workouts and once the game started, and once the game started it was fun. You know, it's, you know, it's baseball. I've been around some, you know, some great managers and um, kind of kicked the brains of other managers throughout the organizations who are well-respected and had some success. So to lean on those guys was was awesome. You've obviously had good results, and that also comes with, as you know, really good players. And I guess it begins with the pitching staff. I've heard so many good things from afar about the starting pitching. You've seen it up close. How good has it been? Oh, it's been unbelievable. Uh, I mean, our, our pitching staff, just like anything in baseball, where your pitching goes, you go. And to know, to uh, with us, we had a six-man rotation, and we're six strong. Uh, every, um, and then at one point, we had Mikey York. And he ended up going up to Bowling Green, and he was absolutely dealing here before he went up. It was a well-deserved promotion. Um, so just giving guys the ball and knowing that you're going to get five to six strong innings to keep you in the game, I mean, that does, especially position player-wise, you just know you have to go up there and put up good at-bats. There's no pressure on you. I know you're the, these kids are a ways away, but since you played so long at the AAA level, how much ta or how talented is that, that group that you talked about? Oh, uh, really talented. Uh, as far as pitching-wise, I mean, the arms here are, are pretty impressive. Um, and then position player-wise, I mean, we uh, our scouting department has done a great job of finding these this young talent in, in colleges and in Latin America and in high schools and junior colleges. And when they're here, it was a little rough, kind of learning curve the first you know the first month or so with these guys. But to their credit, uh, they worked their tails off. They learned the game. 
they made the proper adjustments, paid attention to the little details that we as an organization want them to pay attention to, and they put them, themselves in a position to, to have a, a great season and be in the playoffs. Let's begin with Brendan McKay because it's unique. you got to manage it. Your first time managing, you got a guy who's playing first base, DH, and also pitching. How has he done it both? Oh, he's done great. I mean, of course, everyone wants to talk about Brandon McKay. You know, it's it's uh, it, it, it's well deserved with all the accolades and recognition he's got, and with the adjustment he's going through pro ball with doing both, yeah, he's been great uh, personality wise and work ethic and makeup. He's he's great, very quiet, confident kid. Knows what he has to do. You know, he's getting adjusted in college. You don't play every day. You know, you might have a midweek game and then you play. You know, your Friday, Saturday, Sunday games. So with the, with the schedule that's mapped out with him and with the bullpens and him pitching and DHs and first base, he's doing a great job of handling everything. You've got some other talented pitchers. You know, I've heard so much since he came over from the Orioles about Tobias Myers. How impressive a kid has he been? He's only 19. Oh, very impressive. I know, especially with, you know, Beckham going over to Baltimore and doing what he's doing. You would think it would be pressure on Tobias, but there is no, no pressure. He's a great kid. He's only 19 years old. Uh, shows up every day, ready to go, um, and he just has such a poise and calm demeanor on the mound. And his stuff is electric, great fastball, can spin it, and he has a pretty good changeup that he's getting comfortable with, using more and more. But uh, what, what I've been impressed with is that when runners get on base, times get tough, and he has to grind. He just elevates. It's not not that he tries harder, just that his stuff. He just rises to the occasion. And for a 19 year old kid not to get flustered like that, it's really special. One kid who maybe hasn't gotten the attention because of Brendan McKay is Drew Strotman. Uh, he's put up great numbers since he was drafted. What have you liked about him? Uh, Drew, I mean, he's just live on. I mean, again, our scouting department, great job of finding this guy. I mean, I believe he's a fourth-round pick from uh, St. Mary's College in, over in California, and he had a big velo jump, I guess, in, in a short amount of time, in like less than a year. Uh, he used to throw, I guess, 88 to 91. Now all of a sudden he's pitching at four to six, ninety-four to ninety-six. So I mean, he just he has well-located fastball, easy delivery, ball flies out of his hand, and he can spin it to a really good curveball and slider combo. Uh, and then just and again with his demeanor on the mound, he just never gets phased. He's unflappable, and just to watch him pitch when he gets the ball has been fun to watch. Austin Franklin was a kid who was, what, a third or fourth round pick, a high school kid out of a small school in Florida, and he also has come on this year. Yeah, he's, uh, he's started off slow for us. Uh, there was an adjustment period with him with, uh, you know, on the mound and pitch selection, not to mention, you know, he's a guy that almost wants to overwork. And so, he, you know, he you know loves to put time in the weight room and running and conditioning and you know, doing almost doing too much. But as the season went on, he figured out, you know, what he has to do to pitch. And then, I mean, obviously being a second or third round pick, I mean, his, his stuff is there. He has great swing and miss in the zone with his fastball, uh, good changeup, really good curveball. And then mechanically, I mean, he's been repeating his motion uh, definitely easier the second half of the year. And it's put him in a, in a position to, to have some success and, and to be where we're at right now at the end of the season. How about managing the pitching staff? Zach Law is a guy who moved from center field to catching. How, he's ha how has he handled the move? Oh, Dale, this dude is unbelievable. Uh, I mean, I, I, I did not. I saw him in instructs when we first converted him. Um, and I saw a little bit in spring training after I got sent down for big league camp, and that's it. And then, you know, he put the time in and extended, you know, with the, with the staff down there. And then he showed up here, and 
it's been unbelievable. Every manager and every umpire have compliments to him and how he's been behind the plate, receiving, blocking, and his game calling has been it has been really good. His aptitude to the game, like in between in between innings, when it's a kind of questionable pitch selection, if you talk to him, he doesn't get mad. He he retains it, and then he goes out there and and delivers the game plan. Um, pitchers love throwing to him. You know, being an outfielder. A former outfielder, you would figure that the, the toughest thing for him would be blocking, you know, reading the pitch, mm-hmm. when to go down and block, the timing of it. And he has been blocking and killing the ball since day one. And he's such a really good athlete, and it's, it's great to see his athleticism playing behind the plate. Um, and the main thing with him, too, is that no matter what he does at the plate, he does not take his at-bats behind the plate. He goes in there, he, gets the, he knows what his job is, to make sure that the pitches are successful, and he's been doing that. Speaking of athletes, kid in center field started in Princeton after being drafted. Carl Chester, he's done a nice job for you too. I mean, CC later call I know we already had you know Kyle Crawford was there, and we got Carl Chester, CC. But uh, I mean, he can man, he can flat out go get it. Uh, he came up from Princeton uh, about halfway through the season when Gustave uh, moved up to Bowling Green, and he's been. He's been great for us. His at bats at the plate have been have been pro. Ne- never really gets beat. Never really has a bat at bat. Puts a bat in the ball. Um, at Miami, he wasn't really allowed to steal bases. He would kind of just go and try to hit the ball as far as he can, I guess. So with his foot speed, he's been learning how to steal bases, and he's been doing that. He's been. Uh, it's good to see that. But I mean, him in center field. It's. Um, I play with KK Jeremiah. Uh, we were in Durham together, and he reminds me of him. Not not the exact player as KK, but as far as just uh, playing, just go out and go get the ball, I mean, he's made some spectacular catches for us. It's been really fun to watch. Very, very impressive indeed. Uh, tell me this. Um, as you take a look at uh, your, you know, the other group up the middle, Vidal Brujan and uh, the Walls kid from Florida State, how have they adapted? Uh, I mean, first, I mean, Brujan has been – his tools is jump off the shots. I when you watch the game, I mean he's he's pretty much faster than everybody else. You know he put, he's a switch hitter. He, he gives you good at bats. He's only 19 years old. You know from the from the Dominican Republic. It's only a second year stateside. Gives you good at bats. He's wide and strong. He can juice it out of the park when need to. I mean his three home runs have been no doubted. But the main thing with him is just winning the game. Early in the season he would make some mistakes just on pure aggressiveness on the base pass. Um, and then defensively, just kind of tr- trying to make the uh, trying to make the play too much as far as you know throwing the wrong bag or forcing or forcing the issue. But as the season's progressed, but just talking to him, he's actually learning how to play the game. And for me, if he when he learns how to do that, sky's the limit with him. That's Hudson Valley's Craig Albernaz. They start the playoffs tonight against Staten Island. Congrats to Craig and thanks to all our guests on our show. Austin Pruitt, Alex Colomay, Jamie Longoria, Michael Johns, and Ronaldo Ruiz. If you ever have something you'd like to hear on the show, tweet me at Neil Solons. Next week, we'll hear from Blake Snell, plus September call-ups, and obviously a recap of what Hurricane Irma has done. Be safe, and thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Driven in the air to center field, Kiermaier. Going back at the wall, jumps up and makes the catch. If you missed any of the show, catch it on archive at RaysBaseball.com slash radio. Given in the air to right field and deep, turning a springer back to the wall. This one is gone. Home.